0: That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S code SUPER24. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly
1: beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
2: No, Lucky
1: Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Coming up on podcast 1927, Mercedes EV trucks. The Kia EV9 pricing is out and ultra-fast charging. Stick around. I'll tell you more. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information for Tuesday, 10th of October. My name is Martin Lee, and I've been through every EV story, so you don't have to. We'll start with a little story uh, about these ongoing strikes. General Motors Canada, unsuccessful contract talks means that uniform members will initiate a strike there. Followed two weeks of intensive discussions, they say, but no agreement. They previously reached an agreement with Ford of Canada just last month. The specifics or terms of that agreement with Ford haven't been detailed, but seem to be successful, something GM couldn't pull off. We'll watch this space. Now, let's start with news of Polestar. The Swedish EV maker Polestar, owned by G. Lee, of course, saw a 50% increase in their EV deliveries in the third quarter of this year. Around 13,900 vehicles delivered in that period, predominantly the higher price upgraded Polestar 2. That brings Polestar's delivery for the year so far to 41,700 vehicles. That's a 37% increase on the previous year, which makes sense they're in a growth phase right now. Owned of course by Geely, Polestar remains optimistic about hitting their target of 60 to 70,000 cars in 2023. This momentum will continue into the fourth quarter with the introduction of the Polestar 4. Deliveries in China, at least. The projected growth comes even as the company shifts their emphasis more towards the premium market. Now, let's get into this. Big news about the Mercedes-Benz e Actros 600. Now, electric trucking is going to be such big news going forward. So when we get some proper details about an electric truck coming out, this is interesting. The e Actros 600 is a big shift for Mercedes-Benz away from diesel and into EV power. Technology, sustainability, profitability, they say, will all come from EV power. So the gross combination weight of 44 tonnes and the payload with a standard trailer of 22 tonnes will mean the sales focus is primarily on Europe. The vehicle houses an electric axle with two motors and a four-speed gearbox. The electric system specifics are an 800-volt architecture, 400 kilowatts of continuous power, 600 kilowatt peak power, really tailored for heavy, long-distance hauling. The e actros 600's battery capacity is chunky. This is proper big boy territory, 621 kilowatt hours. And the way they do that is they have three separate packs. They effectively have three separate 207 kilowatt hour packs, of which 95% is usable content. So there's a buffer top and bottom, but really you get access to so much of that. The battery pack, each well, each pack, the smaller packs, weigh 1.5 tons, so 4.5 tons in total for all of the batteries. The tractor unit's wheelbase has been extended to 4 metres to fit the extra battery packs, which is a bit of a uh, a change, for, at least for the European standard design. Estimated range, 500 kilometres. And they've worked hard, they say, on hitting that sweet spot of 500 kilometres because there's intermediate charging... We have quite strict rules on when you can drive and when you have to rest here in Europe. Very different to American long-haul trucking, which is not only at faster speeds, but you can, you know, you can cronk on and do a lot of hours. We can't, rules and regs here mean you can't do that as a, as a driver. So charging plays a different role for us. And they're saying that they're targeting 1,000 kilometers of daily range with intermediate charging. Now, of course, it's got all the standard EV things. It's got regen. It's got one-pedal driving. It will come to a complete stop. I love that, that they've actually thought about making it a proper EV. And their durability goal at Daimler Trucks is for each of the Actros 600s to have, well, exactly what their diesel vehicles would. 1.2 million kilometers over 10 years of use as a minimum, with battery health at least 80% by the end of that. The charging point's are a bit of a sticking point, I think, because the MCS standard has still not been ratified or agreed. So there are two ports, and you can have more, by the way. So it comes with a CCS port, CCS2, and MCS, so megawatt charging standard, on the vehicle's left-hand side behind the driver's cab. An optional CCS port on the other side can be added if you want to for ease of charging. It'll charge at 400 kilowatts, no problem. It does have megawatt charging available, but at the minute, it's a placeholder. It's a placeholder for when the MCS port will be used. Now, these vehicles aren't hitting the road now, so it's not a huge problem. Retrofitting, they say, is easy. They're just simply leaving the space to put it in or the wiring's in place once that standard is completely finalized. Charging time, 20 to 80%. I like 20 to 80%, even for, vehicles, for cars, to, 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 to do it for trucks is brilliant, is 30 minutes. On the mcs so yeah you've got to use the megawatt charging standard infrastructure isn't here yet in europe we don't have a mcs trucking infrastructure but the european union european commission i think are uh, mandating that every certain kilometers on main roads so that will be coming but daimler say the key to this vehicle is the profitability for their customers and I've said this so many times, so apologies, long-time listeners of this podcast, because you've, you've heard this one before. Fleet buyers don't care what truck it is. Now, look, having the Mercedes badge on the front is nice, right? Or maybe you want to be tech forward and you want to be known as a tech supporter. Having the Tesla badge might be good. But at the end of the day, if the number in the bottom right of your spreadsheet is lower than a diesel truck, and you can manage the charging and the infrastructure, and it, it suits your your use case you're going to buy an electric truck every day of the week even if you are you know Mr. Diesel McDiesel you're going to buy an electric truck if you're a fleet buyer because it's cheaper and that's what Daimler are pointing out profitability in the long haul will replace diesel trucks because it's so much cheaper to drive electric cost parity is influenced a lot by the toll roads, by the electricity price that you can get, and the cost of what diesel does over the next 10 years, of which we don't know. But in France and Germany, uh, the e might surpass diesel trucking profitability within five years. And so, yes, the purchase price is more expensive. It's two and a half times that of a cheap diesel counterpart. But within five years or 600,000 kilometers, you are at price parity. After that, it's just all money in the bank. Prototype fleet is about 50 right now and production starts in 2024. Big news actually. I like talking about electric trucking because it doesn't get much attention. Now, the Kia EV9 has finally got its full pricing in the United States. This is a vehicle that we knew, I told you about on the podcast, started at 56395, which is incredible. The light trim in rear wheel drive, so single motor, but unless you need all-wheel drive because of your climate, why are you buying an all-wheel drive Kia EV9? It starts at 56395 incredible fifty six three nine five for that vehicle three and that's the three row version with all the toys and everything now uh reservations for four out of the five trims begin later this week on october 16th that's the light long range rear wheel drive the wind the land and the gt line they're all wheel drive versions The light long range, so with the bigger battery pack. So, you know, the one I was talking about a minute ago, $56,395. That is, that's if dealers do sell them at that that price, of course. Uh, That is for the smaller battery. Get the big boy battery, which is the 100 kilowatt hour battery, Onboard power generator, they call it vehicle-to-load, vehicle-to-home, vehicle-to-grid. It's its more than vehicle-to-load on the Kia EV9. Uh, there's a brilliant video, I'll link to it in the show notes, uh, of the bi-directional charger. Ah, man, what's the company they've, they've partnered with for the vehicle-to-grid stuff? Uh, it's really good. It's like the Ford F-150 Lightning stuff. It's really good. It switches over. Maybe it takes 10 seconds to switch over. So it's not you know like a UPS, if you get a power outage, you'll know it but then your vehicle will start to supply power using the CCS2 connector and uh, that starts at 60,000 for the long range version the wind all wheel drive is 65,000 including the shipping uh, and that's if you want the the, the cheapest all wheel drive version so 380 horsepower um standard torque vectoring all-wheel drive etc more ground clearance of eight inches on that one by the way there's the land trim all-wheel drive seventy-one three nine five with shipping and that has got just loads more comfort and tech and design features and then there's the gt line so it's all-wheel drive 75 grand and uh, just a different design gloss black the big 21 inch wheels and electric relaxation mode seating and the big captain's chairs and stuff very cool now, 800 volt architecture on this, so 10 to 80 in less than 25 minutes, and US delivery start before the end of this year. Imported from South Korea initially, then they'll make them at Kia's West Point, Georgia plant next year. Volkswagen and Umicore are launching a 1.7 billion euro EV battery factory in Poland. That's going to be uh, the joint venture collaboration called Ionway. Ionway has picked out Poland for their first battery spending. 1.7 billion euros to make the cathode active materials for EV batteries. And it's the most significant investment that the area has ever seen. Poland's energy sector is notable because it's the most polluting in Europe. Depends on coal for 70% of their electric production, the highest in the European Union. They have set a goal of 75% of their power from renewables and nuclear by 2040, but they're far behind the rest of us. Recently, the Mercedes-Benz put a billion euros into their first all-electric van factory in Poland. Also, Volvo initiated a new EV tech hub in the Polish city of Krakow. So, big investment going there. Labour costs lower as well. Now, talking of Labour, the party of government in the future in the UK, Labour. They haven't particularly come out and, I would say, inspired this country in the way that tony blair did back when new labor was around in the 1990s there really was a feeling of optimism around the party then Uh, but it's just because the current lot that we've got for the last 13 years are just so hell bent on being terrible that i think people are like right no let's have a change and then they're having their party conference right now and so they're unveiling their their policies which i've been following it it's okay but of course when it Getting, comes to talking about electric vehicles, my ears prick up. The Labour Party uh, are of the opposition party, but they could well be the party of government in this country. And they unveiled their plan for the car industry and to support electric vehicles. They oppose the current government's move to delay diesel and petrol, uh, well, pure diesel and petrol from 2030 to 2035. Uh, I've Covered that extensively on this podcast. That was a weird little bit of posturing by our Prime Minister because what they didn't do was change the laws behind it. Now, it's all, it's not dull, but it's called the ZEV mandate or the ZEV mandate. And the mandate is the legal bit of it. And that mandates that car makers have to sell 80% of their vehicles in this country with zero emissions, not just hybrids, zero emission vehicles. 80% of what you sell. If you're a big company here, like Volkswagen or Ford, 80% of what you sell, zero emissions by the end of 2030. Well, that's the legal bit. Now, the actual bit about 2030 to 2035, they were going to allow some hybrids and stuff. That was just a weird day of announcements of trying to get the votes from the motorist. But they didn't change the underlying law, which no one knows about. Um, Well, you do and I do. But that was weird because it's the mandate that is the thing that matters anyway. Uh, So like I say, the Labour Party will bolster consumer confidence in used EVs, they say, with new certifications on EV batteries. They want to ensure that there's proper work done on the entire CO2 footprint and comparing it to combustion engines for the life of the vehicle, that real-world ranges are explained better, and that battery longevity is, uh, again, better explained through some sort of labelling or used EVs, uh, like a a health certificate, almost. Their proposal is what really the Norwegian EV Association oversees, where sellers can opt to self-assess a vehicle via the onboard diagnostic tools, which will report from the battery, Uh, Battery health, how much DC fast charging has happened, AC charging, etc. generates a PDF certificate, which is then detailing the battery state of health or not, which enables the buyer of that vehicle to have a greater understanding of what they are buying. Now, the blueprint pledges to hasten the deployment of EV charging stations to build government targets for the number of charge points and how the current planning system works to speed it up as well. All sounds sensible wait and see when they if they win uh, next year uh, to see what they enact right coming up we'll talk about fast charging ultra fast charging ev batteries and how california wants to smooth the process of rolling out ev chargers stick around i'll tell you more
2: okay round 2
1: name something that's not boring
0: a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh
2: ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino
1: OK, let's talk about how French EV subsidies may challenge Chinese cars. Now, the automakers are now submitting, as of yesterday, their new EV specifications to the French authorities to avail themselves of these subsidies under the newer, stricter conditions. The new subsidy criteria may sideline Chinese cars. Uh, the environmental rating for each EV will consider the production cycle, encompassing carbon emissions from transportation and the resources used in the construction of that vehicle. An online platform is now... Now available for the car makers to compute these scores automatically, a government source indicating that these stipulations will disadvantage Asian-made models, even those that are top sellers at the the moment, popular models like Tesla's vehicles, the Model Y, the Model 3, the Dacia Spring, the MG4, for instance, might not do very well under these new conditions. Now, the existing EV subsidy in France is €5,000 for most families and €7,000 for families from lower incomes. Car makers can expect feedback by 15th of December and will have the opportunity to contest any decisions they think are unfavourable from the French government, who aren't mucking about inside. Right. No, you can all buy Peugeots and Renaults. Screw you, China. Let's talk a little bit about Chinese fast charging batteries now. And the Chinese EV manufacturer Neta is expanding their deal with CATL for their new Shenxing battery. This battery unveiled by CATL just two months ago is the second deal of its kind to be integrated into an EV. This one from the Neta company n-e-t-a the shenching battery is lithium-ion phosphate but it's their next generation of lfp batteries and it's got really rapid charging vehicles powered by this they say can add 400 kilometers in 10 minutes that obviously depends on the efficiency of the vehicle and how you measure 400 kilometers on the chinese cycle versus european or US. But still, it's a big number. CATL highlighted in their August reveal that it's the LFP battery, the first one to facilitate a 4C charging rate, which really is, you know, massively quick. It all depends on the charging curve as well, of course, but there are some 6C batteries that charge incredibly quickly with a bit more cobalt in, but to have that LFP chemistry charging so quickly and much cheaper as well than using other chemistries uh, that I think will be picked up more than just the couple of beginner deals they've done with Chinese makers. Now let's go to California where the Governor Gavin Newsom endorsed a new bill, SB410, and it was all about solving the issue of slow interconnections. This new bill targets faster interconnections of customers to the utility grid and supporting the state's objective to electrify buildings and vehicles. Current distribution system enhancements in specific regions can stretch from six months to a year, and that really hampers the ability for a customer to get connected to uh, the grid, but also to get the right amount of power if they want to charge their EVs. The newly signed legislation mandates that the California Public Utilities Commission, or CPUC, will establish average and maximum targets over the time periods from next year to get connected. Regulators are instructed to outline the utilities to monitor and enhance their performance notably uh, pg&e the primary utility in california has been under the microscope for this lag in getting people connected to the power they need now a final note on a brilliant article that i've read over the last day and it's not really kind of topical or a bit of breaking news but it's been written by julia Poliskanova from transport and environment and she takes on uh, it's the uractive.com website she takes on the notion. So some of the German car makers are really trying to push the idea of e-fuels and synthetic fuels. And she writes how Europe is at a crossroads because the European car makers know they're behind on EV technology. So what they're trying to do is gain an advantage, like the Japanese, with hydrogen, which has been folly. We've seen that now. And the Chinese EV makers have, t- have stolen a march with pure battery electric technology. So the European car makers are talking about e-fuels, and they're trying to get the the those that make the rules to consider e-fuels, and they've been calling them climate-neutral solutions for years. But their viability is challenged by the cheaper Chinese pure EVs. The energy requirement for making a synthetic fuel, like petrol and diesel, uh, is five times more than just running a car on a battery. It's not even close, not even like double. It's five times more expensive at the moment to create those e-fuels. Now, again, those in the e-fuel lobby say, but that will come down. If only we had mass production, it would come down. But there's a lot of if-onlys in there. A pressing debate in the European Parliament surrounds the environmental equivalency of synthetic diesel and battery, and also hydrogen as well. The financial implications reveal that using e-diesel can inflate your operational cost for a transporter by 50% immediately if you are running a fleet of vehicles. Now, given these figures, major truck manufacturers are wary of the high costs of e-fuels and the inclusion of CO2 standards in future rules as well. Instead of focusing on e-fuels, she writes, uh, which may only serve as a niche solution, Europe should rather get their head out of the sand, stop denying that the China... Chinese EVs are coming with great battery technology, secure essential mineral supplies in Europe, and foster a robust European EV industry. That's a really interesting uh, take from her on that. Lots of noise around e-fuels at the moment. And, of course, one of the things that doesn't get mentioned is that whilst you can make a synthetic fuel from electricity with enough of it, it still generates CO2. And so they're not clean. Interesting to watch that one play out. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village, in Cincinnati Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and least plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.
2: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, You're invited.